Welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will bring you an inspiring person to help you improve in all areas of your life. We'll be chatting with friends old and new who have incredible stories and experiences to share. We'll be listening to some of their obstacles and how they've shown resilience to overcome them. Each episode should give you value and influence and inspire you to your greatness. We are live, so welcome to Making It Happen. We're on episode number 14, and I'm just doing a back-to-back podcast. I'm with the other half of the business now, which is fantastic. I'm delighted to say we got Jason Kane. How are we doing, Jason? Good, Tom. How's things with you? Really good, brother. Um, thanks for jumping on. Really cool. appreciate it. Um, I suppose I'd love to go back, Jason, to the start, and uh, if anyone doesn't know where you're at now, where did your fitness journey or your coaching journey begin? I suppose if I was to roll it right back to the beginning, um, I think nearly everybody in the fitness industry has a kind of fat kid story or some moment that kind of sparked them off. So if I was to go back to there, growing up, um, I probably put on a few pounds, I was a little bit overweight, and I found martial arts. So probably when I was about 13, found martial arts, and that was the kind of start for me in, I suppose, in this, uh, in this fitness space. So roll on, another few years, I went to college, and we're talking just as the recession was kicking in, I was finishing off a structural engineering degree. So I was like, listen, there's nothing really happening in Ireland, in the UK in terms of structural engineering. And at the same time, I was still uh, competing in boxing. So there was guys in the boxing club who were like, listen, uh, we want to do boxing, but we don't want to get punched. So kind of a fitness aspect. So I said, listen, there's probably a little something here. And if I was to even go back a little bit further, over the years, a lot of people were always, I was the kind of go-to guy if you had questions about nutrition, about training and things like that. So I went back to college, studied um, fitness, and then got into the fitness industry in 2011. So that was the kind of the roller coaster that started it all off. And did you love it at start or was it totally new or giving people advice? How did you... Take- I think from a coaching standpoint, I was fairly good at what I'd done, you know, and as I said, people kind of gravitated towards me. So from a coaching perspective, I got things nailed down because you got to remember that I'd been involved in fitness since the age of 13. So a huge part of that in martial arts would be, you know, you were always had people under your wing when they came in. So as you passed up through the belts from yellow up to green and blues and things like that and into brown belt, you were always coaching people. So the coaching aspect of things was really, really easy. But from a business standpoint, that's where I really struggled. And I think a lot of people who are passionate about things, whether it be um, fitness or in the arts or any of those type of things, when it actually comes to businesses where they struggle and lets them down, you know. And Jason, was it, were you doing boot camps? Was it group training? Was it PTs or where did you how did you know what to be doing? Funnily enough, all right, so we're going back, remember now, we're going back to 2011. So back then, boot camps was a big thing. So as I said, I had a degree in structural engineering. And at the time, I had a a girlfriend, now wife, but girlfriend at that time. And we had a a young girl. So again, a lot of my friends were going off to Australia. And I kind of said to myself, that's maybe not really an option for me. So I was in the boxing club one day. I met a guy that I used to kind of pal around with a little bit back a few years ago. And when we were growing up and I said, listen, what are you doing? And he was kind of in a little bit of limbo as well. His background was, uh, he was an electrician. And we kind of said, listen, why don't we do something with this? Both of us were big into fitness ourselves as individuals. And we set out and we set up a boot camp. Now, looking back, you know, I had, um, I when I, I suppose, first finished college in terms of the fitness I got a job in a power plate gym, believe it or not. So for anybody who doesn't know, power plates were these kind of like vibration tables you stood up on. 
And in one way, it was shit. But in another way, it was a great introduction into fitness in terms of a gym because you would have a class literally starting every 25 minutes and you would have five minutes to get people in up on the machine and whether it was 10 people or whatever the case may be. So it was go, 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 go. So from that point of view, it was actually quite good. But listen, I had that job and at this point in time, we're probably moving into 2012 the industry was kind of falling apart a little bit. There was a lot of gyms closing down and this particular gym I was in was closing down and they moved all the machinery down to a place in Black Rock called Medfit. Now, Medfit at the time was kind of uh, some rehabilitation in terms of uh, heart disease. It was uh, a lot of physio type stuff, a lot of back rehabilitation and the power plates were kind of a little add-on. I was looking at this saying, you know what, there's nothing happening here. I'm not getting anywhere with this. So I turned around and said, listen, I'm going to leave that job and as I said, I'm going to set up this boot camp. So when I told people, hey, listen, we're in a recession, I'm leaving my job, I'm going to set up a boot camp, everybody was like, what the hell are you doing you're absolutely crazy so that's where we started off in the boot camp and then rolling on a few months into the boot camp absolutely hadn't got a clue what we we're doing we're like you know if we build it they will come and people did come but there was times we turned up there there was like one person there was times we turned up there was no people and then what started to happen is we were leading into the summer the summer uh, people were drinking on the beach, all that type of stuff. This was down in Cliney and ended up one of the clients cut themselves on a bit of broken glass. We said, listen, this isn't really working out. So we moved up to Cliney Hill, a few months up there, a few weeks up there. And then what started to happen is uh, the council were kind of coming around going, hey, what are you doing, blah, 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 blah. And that was like, listen, we need to make another transition here. And it was around that time that I met Sean, who we would have been talking to earlier on. And uh, we started to move and develop things on from there. And Jay, was it when you partnered up with your previous business partner, were you as good at managing, listen, I'm going to look after the coaching or I'm going to look after getting bums on seats and people into the business or how did that work? To be honest with you, at the beginning, I was kind of looked after all of the um, training aspects because I had more experience in that. And Joe was quite good at, you know, people, dealing with people. But to be honest with you, we didn't have any marketing. There was okay. no such thing as marketing. There was no such thing as lead generation. We hadn't got a clue. It was just put out a few posts on Facebook. And, you know, for people who are starting off now, back then, if you put something out on Facebook, a lot of people would see it. So there was a lot of organic stuff. But in terms of marketing, we had zero experience or zero ability. It was literally taking cash, put it in a box, and then split the cash up at the end of the month. It was that crazy. And Jay, you mentioned Sean McGarity. How did that connect happen? Does, was it just both he's looking for an opportunity or each other's strengths? Well, I suppose if if we're looking back there, you know, Sean would have had uh, a lot of experience from a business standpoint and from a sales standpoint. And that was obviously somewhere that I was lacking. And then from a technical standpoint, from training, uh, that was somewhere where he wouldn't have had as much experience. So initially I met him on a course that he was delivering, like a TRX course back in the day. And at that time I was doing a lot of stuff with kettlebells and he kind of expressed an interest. Hey, would you come over and give us a help with the kettlebells? And at the beginning it probably wasn't one of these relationships that kind of just sparked off. as like we weren't best mates or any of that type of thing. But we definitely seen that both of us had a skill set which was complementary. And I think most uh, business relationships that go in the right direction that's the kind of way that it looks that it works it's like one person has a set of skills that the other person doesn't have and vice versa you know and jay then was it just okay we're going to educate people or we're going to do physical gym what came about next then well if we roll back it's like we sean moved from the city center out to black rock 
and our boot camp at that stage was in Kalini. So it was f- close enough. So we kind of moved all of our training indoors and we were kind of like helping each other out. So at the beginning, he was helping us a little bit. We were helping him a little bit and everything was working out. And it was maybe roll on a year or two when things started to get a bit more serious. And what we kind of realized is, is that there was a, a, there was a, I suppose, a space within the fitness industry that the education that was being put out back then was very, I suppose, geared up towards maybe the 80s, a lot of aerobics and, you know, go into a big box commercial gym. And that wasn't really the way the fitness industry was heading from what was happening in America. So there was a lot of different things changing and we kind of had a finger on the pulse there. And at the same time in the gym space, things were starting to change. So if you remember the likes of Total Fitness and some of these big, huge gyms were starting to close down and there was a space for the first time where people were going out and setting up uh, small box gyms, let's say. And I suppose CrossFit was a big driver in that. So people are looking at what CrossFit were doing going, hey, if they can do that, can I do my own version of it? So again, we were always looking to the US, looking to America, seeing what was happening over there and then trying to replicate it back here in Ireland. And Jay, you mentioned Facebook earlier and it, it kind of growing organically. Is that what you used as your marketing tool back then or what was working? To be honest with you, again, it's like knowing what I know now, we didn't have any marketing. Okay. We didn't have any idea what we were doing. We just, you know, as I say, is this idea, if you build it, they will come. And people did come. And again, people would have told their friends. And of course, you were putting out stuff on Facebook, pictures or little videos. Don't even think we were doing videos back then. Probably pictures of stuff that was happening and posts. And it was just that the organic reach of those things was so much bigger back then that there didn't have to be any strategy or any direction in what you were doing. Um, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. So it was much easier to get people, uh, I suppose, to get eyeballs on what you were doing and then get people to show up, you know? And Jay, was there, a, was there a point or was it a course or a mentorship you went to where you're like, well, we need to really systemize this business and like move it to the next level? Yeah, well, uh, there was loads of, I suppose, um, points along the way where we realized, listen, uh, we got to do things differently. But ultimately, what it came down to is this, is that we realized uh, fairly early on that if we want to improve, what we've got to do is look to people that are ahead of us. So whether that be a mentor, whether that be a course or anything. And the attitude that we kind of had was we looked at it this way. The way I would see it is like imagine a series of a staircase running off into the distance in, fr- in front of you. And what we kind of said to ourselves is, listen, what we've got to do is put a target on somebody's back, which is a bit o- above us in terms of that stairs. And then what we would do was go and learn what they had to offer so we could move up two or three or four or five steps. And then in some cases, we passed those people out. In other cases, those people would keep on moving on ahead of you. But whether it be business, whether it be sales, whether it be marketing, uh, whether it be learning about how to operate a gym, we would look to people and kind of set our sights and said, listen, what we're going to do is go and learn from that person and bring back or extract as much information as we can and bring it back and start to implement it here in, here in Ireland or here in the gym, you know? And Jay, one thing I try and get, get off some of the guests sometimes is is how do you balance it all? Like you're talking where you're at now and you've you've got you've got the gym, you've got the education, you're coaching people. How do you manage all that and then coaching yourself or like working out yourself? 
Yeah, I suppose, to be honest with you, it probably goes in peaks and troughs where the idea that we have everything balanced out, and this is total open and honest, the idea that you have everything balanced out and you're living this super, you know, stress-free lifestyle is kind of BS, all right? Mm. So the way I would see it is, is that you probably chase after, you know, there's different areas of your life. So you've got your business life, you've got your personal life, you've got your own development as a as an individual, and then you've got your professional development. So there's kind of like four areas. And ultimately, you can only really chase after one big thing in one of those areas. So if business is your main objective, chances are other things are going to suffer. If you're turning around, so you might push that for a few weeks or a few months, and then you might turn around and say, whoa, listen, my family life is suffering here a little bit, and I've got to put a little bit more time and attention into that. It could be, hey, listen, my own personal health, well-being is suffering a little bit. Hey, I need to put a little bit more time. I need to put a little bit more time into that. So it's this constant ebb and flow of... I suppose having a line in the sand say listen i'm not going to let myself deviate too far off the track whatever that track might be and then constantly pulling yourself back on if you feel that you're kind of going off the road a little bit or going off the rails you know and jay you mentioned earlier about putting um a target on someone's back who's heady or something like that but talking just on personal development i know you went away and did a navy seal course will you talk to us a little bit about that and maybe expand on it yeah, well, <laughs> that kind of, I suppose, is twofold. One would be obviously fitness, but the other p- t- big part of that would be the kind of mental aspect of it. So back in back about two years ago, I'd kind of heard of this event called SailFit. So I first heard of it at a seminar. There was a guy called Andrew Reid, who is an Australian strength and conditioning coach, and he was speaking about this event that he was at. And his big takeaway from it was, you know, about mental training, about being able to combine both strength training and cardiovascular training into a more hybrid approach. And if you think back, uh, a lot of powerlifters and bodybuilders led the kind of way in the fitness industry in the 2000s and the late 90s and things like that. So it was like, oh, if you run, you're going to, you know, you're going to bloody go on fire, that type of thing. That was people's attitudes. So we had people who'd done strength work and then we had people who'd done uh, running and marathons and triathlons and they should never mix. And then more and more people start saying, hey, listen, maybe there's something in here which would suit the average person. So that got me interested. Then roll on another few months or about a year. And we start doing work with a guy, Garrett J. White, uh, who's like, he owns Wake Up Warrior. And a lot of his coaches and him himself had been through SealFit. So it was kind of on the on the radar. So then I started to look into it. And basically, SealFit is like a mock setup of the hell week that the Navy SEALs go through. And there's a guy in the US called Mark Devine who owns SealFit and he owns another company called Unbeatable Mind and he puts tr- civilian people through this through this process. So it's 50 hours um, and what basically throughout that 50 hours there's no sleep it's just constant evolution after evolution and for them what an evolution is is a workout. So when you pass through one evolution you'll eat some food drink some water and then you're straight into the next evolution. So this was something that I kind of set my sights on and uh, start training for and in the beginning, I hired a coach to kind of help me. And then I said, listen, I'm not really too happy with the way the coach is doing. I've done my own research and just started coaching myself. But obviously seeked out uh, advice from other people who have been through the process. So I arrived over there to the US and I think there was like 
12 people showed up for it at least half of them had already been on a seal fit event and failed and they were coming back to do it again or the other half of the guys were um in the military so three or four of them were actually getting ready for the navy seals and getting ready to go into buds um and over the course i won't go into the, all the details but over the course of the 50 hours i was the last man standing so every single other person had kind of fallen off by the wayside and i was there kind of standing and i finished it off and i got it done and jay I suppose two things there. How much training did you put in up to that? And then what's like what lessons did you take away from it that you still use today? I think when you're talking about training, it was maybe like 15, 15 hours a week minimum. So that goes back to the point that we said earlier about balance. And it's like when I done that much training, like so 15 hours of you, your week training for that, it's like business probably suffered a little bit and definitely family life suffered a little bit. And when I say family life suffered, it's just like if you're not there, you know, if you're out training 15 hours or if you're on a Sunday, you're going out to do a five hour hike up around the mountains, it means then that somebody at home is suffering. So I don't believe that there ever is this balance, you know what I mean? Unless you get to a stage where, Maybe money isn't an issue anymore yeah. and then balance can come in. But if we go back to the the kind of sale fit thing and what you learn from it, I suppose ultimately the biggest takeaway is that you're actually capable of so much more than what you think. Because to say to someone, oh yeah, you know, even try to stay awake for 50 hours, never mind exercise and never mind, you know, going through workouts. It's like most people would struggle. So at so many points and times within the the kind of each evolution of the seal fit you're kind of thinking you're looking going you know what like i'm nearly done here and then whatever happens you kind of make it through it so in terms of the mental kind of set what you kind of had to say to yourself is not think about the end point just think about the next step in front of you so it was like listen i'm going to get through this set of 100 burpees i'm going to go get through this set of marching up a mountain for fucking 10 hours i'm going to get through this set of whatever it was and then I can make a decision on whatever the next bit might be. And again, it's crazy because some of the hardest parts um, were more mentally demanding than physically demanding. So in one of the evolutions, we had to kind of uh, go up a mountain at night. So it was about a 20-mile hike, 20 mile hike straight up a mountain and there was guys dropping out left right and center because they just like you weren't allowed to talk to anybody you just had to do your own thing and your mind goes like why the hell am i here like i'm in california i'm cold i'm carrying a bag it's cutting into my shoulders i'm miserable i've no water i need to go to the toilet all these things like why the hell am i doing this and a lot of guys just go listen i don't want to be here and they would bail out and my thing was i literally just start counting my footsteps so it's like you cannot count more than 20 without getting distracted. So count one, two, three, all the way up to 20. When I got to 20, start again. And done that for like six hours. Like no joking, like six hours, just count to 20, then start again. Count to 20, start again. Count to 20, start again. And in in being in that moment, so imagine this, you know, we, we talk about meditation and we talk about mindfulness and it's all about being in the moment. But we have all this stuff distracting us. Literally in that space there, you were just in that moment of doing the thing and then you could move on. So that was kind of like some of the big takeaways. And the other things were in terms of setting goals. So obviously the way I set goals for this particular uh, thing was that I, I kind of set myself two goals. So one goal was around pleasure and the other goal was around pain. So we were kind of using two sides of the coin, if that makes sense. So in terms of pain, it's like the last thing I wanted to do is come back to Ireland and like say to people, hey, I failed. 
even if you're done like 49 hours 58 minutes and at the last two minutes you failed it's like you failed so that's all people remember so that was a huge motivator for me is that kind of painting i didn't want to let people down i didn't want to say i failed and then the other thing i brought an irish flag with me and i wanted to get a big picture at the end so i was like being able to say listen i've done it i've and i'll be honest in many ways i've bet everybody else because again i would very often set up own internal goals or own internal targets where listen i'm in competition even if somebody doesn't know i'm in competition with them and that's just how my mind works so if i was cycling down the road and i see a new cycle in front of me i'd be like listen i'm gonna pass him out even though you don't know you could be an old lady <laughs> you don't know that you know it means that it's but that's just how edge. yeah just have that competitive edge which is a bit of a double-edged sword so i suppose as i've aged i've become better at able to uh to cope with that and to use it in a positive way as opposed to being an annoyance to people and jay when you're on that uh we'll move on now from the seal fit now but when you're on that um journey what did you notice about the other people around you was it all was it the mental edge that they broke down on or was it the fitness yeah ultimately it was all mental so what i noticed and this happened to every single person um what happens is they turn around they say to themselves i can't do it and then what they turn around is the team gets around them and we pull them back in then they turn around and say to themselves again i can't do it then the team gets around them and we pull them together then they start blaming people and pointing fingers you know, it's like, it's your fault, or this isn't fair, or this isn't this, or that isn't that. So it's usually, they go through that cycle of, you know, a little bit of failure, I can't do it, and then they come back on board. A little bit of failure, I can't do it, they come back on board. Then they start blaming and start looking for justification of why they want to give up. So it was like, one, two, three, and then they dropped out. So that happened to every single person. They went through like, one, two, three, started to blame, started to point fingers, and then they dropped out. And there was one stage myself where I'd done it, where I turned around and, you know, started shouting at one of the guys, one of the Navy SEALs, because, like, basically, I was on my own. I was running around. He's getting you to do bear crawls, just random stupid shit. And he said to me, he was probably about 50 or 60 meters away from me, and he said, tumble, like, roll towards me. I'll give you five seconds. And I start rolling, and then I was just like, that's fucking impossible. Like, shouted at him. And he goes, is it impossible? <laughs> and I was like, it was impossible, but the, the fact that you have that, that mindset of that something is impossible means you're never going to do it. And there were so many things that happened over the course of the seal fit where they would show and prove to you that you had so much left in the tank. The ice bath was one, was it? Yeah, well, I, I suppose one of the big ones was, uh, one, like, before we went up the, the mountain, we all had these backpacks on and they, they set us up. There was this like dirt road. So it was all gravel. And I'd say the dirt road was about 20 meters wide. And they lined us all up along this dirt road and was like, crawl like on your belly across this road. Now the stones going into your elbows, the stones going into your knees. And let's say it took us uh, 53 seconds for every man to get across the road. And he said, do it again, do it faster. 55 seconds you can do it faster and they must have kept us there for maybe 45 minutes until the last time it was done faster let's say it was done in you know 40 seconds and again so many little things happened over and over and over and over and over again where you prove to yourself that it's like i can do this faster i can do this better and we always do this in life take a workout for example and it's like you're absolutely wrecked and then that last set you do an extra rep 
well, if you could do the extra rep on the last set, you could definitely do more than an extra rep on the first set. But we set ourselves up these limiting beliefs within our head. And if we have this limiting construct in our head, then that's going to impact the actions that we take, the actions that we don't take, and impact the results that we have. I, it's funny you say that. I, I notice it very much with my fiance Fee. She did the Ironman. But the training up to it, she was, it was self-doubt. I don't think I can achieve this, and I don't know if I've done the training. The minute she crossed the line, Jay, she was... Let's go again. When can yeah. I sign up for the next one? And it's this, it probably a belief factor as yeah. well. And Jay, when you do something like seal fit, does that make you go, Jesus, what else can I achieve? Or I want to challenge my body and mind even more? Yeah, 100%. And you know what? I came back from it and I was in the gym and I was in this lull because after that 50 hours, it probably took me, no joking, maybe six months to recover from it. Now, the guys told me, hey, listen, this is going to take you a while to recover from, but genuinely, it took me about six months to fully get back to the physical strength I had before. But there was also this mental space where, hey, you've done this big, huge event, so this could apply to physical tasks or even business. You know, you've built up a business or you've sold a business or you've done really successful, you know, you've made a big, huge sale. And then you enter into this space like, now what? So I was in the gym one day and I was like, I'm going to do an Ironman. Because like a little track land wouldn't have been enough. I'm going to do an Ironman. So I got on my phone, middle of a workout, and just booked an Ironman <laughs> in Cork. And then I started training for it. I was getting swimming lessons. And I'd done like smaller track lands before. And I just realized, like, do you know what? I don't actually like swimming. I don't really like running. I don't like cycling. And I don't want to be like 85 kilos. <laughs> So I was like, why am I doing this? Now, I told everybody that I was going to do it, but that's a valuable lesson as well that very often we we say that we're going to do these things and we tell people and then we feel the pressure to, uh, I suppose, to show up and, and try and make other people happy where if you're genuinely not happy with something, it's like, hey, hang on a second here. This is not fulfilling me in any way, emotionally, physically, mentally. So it's like, why don't I just say, no, I'm not doing it? And then you can move on and do other things. And Jay, do you find that crosses over? You mentioned now what, and you're a competitive person, but like, is it like, do you find yourself, right, I've I've hit that PB with a weight, now what, or I've gotten my abs, now what, or in business, well, I've hit that sales or that figure, now what? Does, does that drive you? Yeah, I think um, as I'm aging a little bit, getting a little bit older, and maybe a little bit wiser, less so. So definitely in the past, it would have been, hey, I've squatted 200 kilos. Now let's try and squat 220 kilos. And to what ends are you trying to do those things? So now I'll try and look at things and, and kind of say, if you start off with, listen, why are you doing what you're doing? Then it's much easier to... I suppose, set yourself goals, mini goals, big goals, small goals, and have an understanding of why you're doing what you're doing. And sometimes it's like, hey, listen, I'm training because I enjoy training. And I know that when I train, I feel better and blah, 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 and all the added benefits of that. And it's not necessarily about trying to beat people or be in competition with yourself or with other people. It's like, I'm doing this because the process of doing this makes me a better person, whatever that might be. And it's like, you know, having, I always try and say this to our clients as well, having little like micro successes in the gym spills over into every other area of your life. So if you come into the gym and it's success, 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 and that doesn't always mean success doesn't necessarily have to be lift more, do more. The fact that we've even showed up, you know, half begun is half done. The fact that we've even showed up is a, a kind of tick on that list. And look, at the reason that people don't achieve what they want to achieve is because they stop showing up. 
whether that's in business, whether that's in relationships, whether that's in fitness. If you stop taking actions towards whatever your goal is, you're never going to get the goal. And people procrastinate and they come up with new things and they go off in a new direction and you have people in business and they're always setting up new businesses. Like, dude, how about you just stick with one business and, you know, kill it as opposed to dropping that and come up with a new idea, looking for shiny things. So just showing up, I think, is half the battle for uh, for 90% of people. And Jay, just on that, you're, you're super driven and that's why it's coming across and I know you personally, but is that hard when in personal life you're kind of like, well, that person's telling themselves a story and that's kind of bullshit and they're kind of saying, well, like, you can do it. Stop saying yourself like that. Is that hard to be around people that... Yeah, I suppose a part of my like nature and my psyche so like as i said if we went back to college i done structural engineering so that's very and how my mind works is a plus b plus c equals and then we've got an end result and i'm very future orientated so i'm always looking to the future and that's great in terms of being able to plan and motivate and look into the future but very often it means you're not in the present so you're not in the moment so as a coach i've become much better at sitting back and looking at where somebody is and having an understanding of what this person might need right here right now because again it's not my job as a coach whether it be in a business setting in a fitness setting any setting whatsoever to try and dictate and should people you should want to do this you should want to do that really what your job as the coach is to try and extract out what that person actually wants and needs right here right now and then be able to create a roadmap for that person whether it be a mental or a physical roadmap to get them to where they want to go and fairly often a huge part of coaching is to turn around and say to people, like what I said earlier about giving up on the um, the triathlon. It's like, dude, you don't actually want this, do you? And then you might turn around and say, no, actually, I don't. So if it's in fitness, maybe I don't want abs. All right, cool. That's cool. So are you happy with being where you are now? Actually, I am happy. And very often, just for to sit down with someone and say, that's cool to be okay with where you are now. And even in business, you know, we've got Gary Vaynerchuk and it's all about hustling. It's like, dude, not everybody wants to be Gary Vaynerchuk or not everybody wants to be a gazillionaire. So it's like the sacrifices to everything we do. And it's like not everybody will or can or wants to be the absolute pinnacle, that top 1%. That's cool. And Jason, how, how much do you notice that with clients that come into the gym that are maybe disillusioned from social media or going, I want this, and you've got to kind of actually ask them the questions, what actually do you want? Yeah, look, at the, the, there's a huge disillusion too. Fitness is sold, it's like in small little uh, bite-sized snippets. It's like, hey, you know, 28 days and lose this amount of weight, and all those things can happen. But what we've got to realize is when we use a short-term program, we are going to get, you know, a result in the short term, but at the cost of the long term. And if you go for a more long term approach, a more sustainable approach, a more consistent approach, which people should be following, it's going to take a long time. So you're not going to see a result in the short term. So therefore, most people will give up on it. And the exact same thing in fitness is business. So it's the coach's job, I suppose, to try and get real with people and to try and show people, hey, listen, this is what it really looks like. And for a lot of people, they might look at coaches and go, how can you have a beer or eat pizza? And it's like, dude, I've been training for 20 years. Yeah. You know, so as I said, I've been training since I'm like 13, relatively consistently. So I've been doing this, I'm only 35, so I've been doing this for 20 odd years without taking a break for more than two weeks. When you say that, someone's like, whoa, so I'm not going to then maybe get abs in six weeks? Mm, maybe not. And the other thing about it is, 
if you did have abs in six weeks, you'd probably be miserable. And this is the problem that a lot of the fitness industry is being pushed by, let's say, bodybuilding space or physique shows. And a lot of those people, I might get a bit of hate for this, but a lot of those people are actually miserable with how they feel on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, the average person, although you might look at them and go, whoa, look at these people. It's like, it's not real. Even, you know, magazines, Instagram. For the majority of people, that is not real. It's like, if you want to have a beer in the weekend, some pizza, you're probably not going to have abs at the same time. And it's like, that's okay. Yeah. And Jason, is there anything, any tools you use that you'd recommend to anyone listening that has, has helped you along the way, whether it's uh, podcasts or books or any tools you'd use you'd recommend? I suppose, look, I'm a big fan of learning. I'm a big fan of constantly taking things on board. And really what I would say to someone is, um, you know, you want to find out what area you're trying to look and improve. So whatever that area is, then ask yourself, who are the leading experts in this area? So I kind of use a system, it's like 531. So it's like, listen, can I read five articles or blogs or books on this particular topic? Could I, uh, moving into, could I do like two or three courses on this particular topic? And then the last bit is, could I go and actually physically learn from this person, whether it be a course or, or whatever the case may be? And if you're to go through that cycle, you're going to be, I'm not going to say an expert, but you're going to be much further down the path, whatever that path is, in learning that particular skill where a lot of us, we read a book on business and then we read a book on happiness and then we read a book on nutrition and then we read a book on bodybuilding and it's like we don't really put it all together. And coming back on that then, it's we're always looking for hacks, quick fixes, tools. It's like, dude, there is no tools. It's like if somebody has a set of things that they do, that's what works for them. Chances are it's not going to work for you. So it's really finding out what you want and then going and doing the work. Nothing can substitute for taking actions towards whatever your goal might be. And forgetting about all the fluff and like the kind of bullshit around the, you know, we set up this bullshit bubble. Forget about all that fluff and just say, what action, what one action can I take today that's going to get me closer to that goal? Whether that's eating some more vegetables, whether that's drinking more water, whether that's uh, saving more money, whether that's going out and doing a post on social media or putting out an advert or making a sales call. They're the things that is actually going to get your results. And Jason, just back to yourself and Sean's business, how often would you sit down and set out like what's the next 12 months going to look like or where the end goal wants to be? I suppose with the with us, you know, the end goal is it's not necessarily a number. It's not necessarily, um, you know, how many sales or whatever. It's like the vision would be to change the way fitness is done in Ireland. And we're using, you know, three platforms to do that. One being an education, one being actually delivering fitness, and one being then helping people in that fitness space. So we're only talking about this the other day. And I genuinely believe, hand on heart, that what we are doing here is shaping what's happening in the fitness space outside. So in in many ways, it's hard to put a, a metric on that. It's like, oh, you know, we've had this many people through the course. But you can actually see the ebb and flow of the fitness space, the dynamic in the fitness industry is changing. And a lot of that change has started in these walls. Now, that's not to say that other people in different places aren't on a similar journey, but we're doing our part of it and we see how the fitness industry outside is changing. Even, I'm not saying that we helped create FlyFit, but if you look at FlyFit, for example, 
and actually look at the structure, you know, what's on the gym floor. And you can extrapolate that back to gyms like ourselves, only on a bigger version. So the whole fitness landscape has changed over the last 10 years. And we, in our own way, are kind of driving a wedge into that and helping push that forward. And Jason, is that a big driver for you, like seeing like success stories come out of the gym or the education? Like ultimately, if we were to break it right back down into the simplest terms, we want to help people. We're passionate about helping people. We want to have an impact. And seeing that happen, whether it is, you know, somebody coming through the gym, that's one individual journey. Whether it's seeing somebody come through a Lee and go on to open up their own gym and their impact in lives. Or whether it's helping people through Ascension and, you know, the double or triple the amount of people in the gym. They will double or triple their income, but it's not necessarily about the income. It's about the lives that they have impacted. And seeing that is what motivates us to keep pushing forward and keep driving and keep doing what we're doing and jay i i were one of the questions i i kind of always ask um any of the guests is i know I'm trying to put you on the spot but what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given the best piece of advice would ever be given you think these would be one of these questions hey think yeah, about this yeah, when yeah. you come but do you know what it's like if I was to try and think back, and again, you're, you, you go to so many mentors, you read so many books, you get so much advice, but ultimately, it's going to be as simple as this. It's like, know what you want, and then just take continual action towards that. Do you know what I mean? Create good habits and just work towards, yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, Dan John once, I remember him saying, you know, plan the hunt, hunt the hunt, review the hunt. And imagine a situation where you just done that repeatedly over and over and over again, whether your hunt was 90 days, whether it was a year, whether it was five years. It's like make a plan, take some actions towards that plan and review the plan. What worked, what didn't work. And if you keep kind of tweaking that as you go along, you're going to stay the course and get the direction you want to go in. Yeah, brilliant. I, I'm kind of conscious of time, but uh, we kind of try and finish off the end of the podcast and like kind of a little quick fire round. Yeah. Um, so favorite book of yours? I think the favorite You can name book. multiple if you want to. <laughs> yeah. You can name multiple. The Go-Giver. Let's go with that. The Go-Giver. Okay. Yeah. And uh, movie. Favorite movie. It'd have to be something with Annie Schwarzenegger, Terminator or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, uh, what, not the Game Predator. Changers on Netflix, no. <laughs> not the Game Changer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just uh, if you're recommending uh, to grab a cup of coffee in Dublin or a pint, where would you say? So two questions there. <laughs> Do you know what? I suppose if you're grabbing a cup of, co a cup of coffee and you're around here, I suppose, look, bear yeah. down in Black Rock. Sean said the same thing <laughs> as well, yeah. yeah. And genuinely, you know, again, I'll stick it with Black Rock because it's somewhere local to us. We always go down to Flash Harry's when the guy is anchored that uh, she trains in the gym. She works down there. It's a great place to go. It does a great burger. Yeah. And Jay, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and some nuggets there but where can people find you and stay connected with you so look if you wanted to check out more you could look at uh, www.ispgym.ie that's going to be our website for the gym or you could check me out on social media coach jay kane um that's probably it yeah yeah brilliant so listen i appreciate having you on and thanks a lot again cool man thanks buddy peace